Bills Mafia, what is up? And welcome into another episode of the Halftime Adjustments Podcast. My name is Charlie Gross. You can find me on Twitter at Charlie underscore Gross underscore. And we are a part of the Built in Buffalo network. Happy the Buffalo Bills had a victory almost a week ago Wednesday. As I'm sure all of you know, the Buffalo Bills defeated the New Orleans Saints on Thanksgiving night. 31 to 6, an absolute domination by the Buffalo Bills of another bad team. I think that pretty much everybody played really well. Did we learn anything about the Buffalo Bills during that game? I'm not sure. I don't think we did, uh, other than they, what we already knew, which is that they're really good against bad teams and average teams, and they obviously struggle against good teams. I think that's been proven by now at this point. But obviously the big news coming out of this game is that Tredavious White has a torn ACL and he will be out for the remainder of the season. Uh, probably is going to miss most, if not all, of training camp. Uh, obviously we don't, we don't know what his status is for next year. However, we do have some frame of reference because Harrison Phillips tore his ACL and while he was able to, he tore his earlier in the season and while he was able to come back the next season and play, he was definitely not the same player until a year after that. So a torn ACL for a football player is really like an 18-month, 20-month injury until they're back to full speed. Obviously, this opens questions not only about what are they going to do for the remainder of this year, what are they going to do next year, are they going to try and bring a veteran, are they going to draft a guy in terms of what they're going to do for next season, because like I said, most players are not back. Even if they're playing, they're not really back to full strength. And I'm not sure how big of a loss this is to the Bills. And I understand that Trey White is a great player. Uh, I think he's a top 10 corner. I'm not saying that he's not good. That isn't what I'm saying. But I feel like the Buffalo Bills defense has other issues and other problems that affect uh, the team more, mostly being that they're getting out physicaled at the line of scrimmage. I don't think their run defense is great. And they're having trouble actually finishing pressures, turning them into sacks. And I don't think their pressure rate is fantastic. So yes, Trey White allows the Buffalo Bills defense to do certain things that maybe without him it couldn't do. However, I still don't think that that is as popular, I mean, as important as the other things that are lacking in the defense. So what are the Bills going to do? My best guess is that some combination of Dane Jackson and Cam Lewis will be what's happening this year and maybe even next year. So scary, scary to say, but Levi Wallace becomes your cornerback one. Yes. <laughs> you know, as much as, as he's worked hard and carved out a little niche for himself in the NFL, he's nowhere near what it really takes to be a cornerback one. So we'll see what they do with the safeties. Are they going to still rotate the safeties? Are they going to play more uh, too deep zone? What are they going to do? We'll find out. But, you know, the Bills have a big challenge coming up here. 
against the Patriots. People want to make fun of Mac Jones and say he's not that good. I don't know how good he's going to be. Like Maybe he's already hit his ceiling, but he knows where to go with the ball. He's efficient. He's seems pretty comfortable in the sort of dink and dunk. And it's not all dink and dunk, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, but that's kind of the Patriots offense. He seems pretty capable so far in that. And there's some serious issues here for the Bills. Uh, the Patriots have a great offensive line. They have a great defensive line. I think they just have a great defense in general. And this is going to be a real tough test for the Bills. Uh, I, you know, this is a, a 50-50 game for me. I think they could win it. I think they could lose it just as easily. Luckily, uh, the Bills are at home for whatever that's worth. Maybe maybe it would be better to be on the road. But they are at home nonetheless. And we're really going to get a lot of questions answered about this Buffalo Bills team. Uh, I think that this is going to be a really good test for the Bills. Uh, Spencer Brown will be back. Star Latulale will be back. John Feliciano will be back, although I'm not sure that really helps at all or does anything because I don't think he's very good. They did put Tommy Doyle on the COVID list, and obviously, like I said, Trey White has been out for the year, and he has been put on injured reserve. If the Bills lose this game, I think that on an already tough path, certainly for the division, gets much tougher, but... You know, these last three games that the Bills have, uh, the Bucks, two against the Patriots, and then they have the Jets, the Falcons, and the Panthers. I think the worst case scenario is three and three. I think the best case scenario is four and two. But I, like I said, I think this is going to be a, maybe the toughest test. Obviously, Tampa's a great team, but I think that the Patriots. Defense has been playing better as a whole as opposed to Tampa. And obviously, I think that their offensive lines are very similar. Their rushing attacks are very similar. Uh, I don't think that New England has quite the dynamic passing game that the Bucks do, but they certainly have. Uh, they excel where the Buffalo Bills have traditional weaknesses, at least under coach Sean McDermott. So let's talk about the two players who are most likely to be tasked with the replacements, the uh, filling the shoes of Trey White. And obviously it might just might not just be these two guys. Like I said, you got to think that they're going to give them some safety help, certainly a lot more than Trey White is used to getting because these guys just aren't as good of a player as he is. So let's start with Dane Jackson. Uh, Dane Jackson, the darling of the Bills Mafia over the summer because of the three or four snaps that he played during the year last year. He is a 5'11", 180 cornerback from Pittsburgh. The Bills took him in the seventh round of the 2020 draft. He appeared in... Dane Jackson has appeared in five games last year with two starts, playing 56% of the defensive snaps. This year, he has appeared in 11 games with no starts, 
and playing 18% of the defensive snaps. On the other side of things, Cam Lewis, the other option, has only appeared in six games total with three starts and has only played in 22% of the defensive snaps last year. And 20% of the snaps this year obviously elevated from the practice squad. So whoever starts is going to need some help. And I'm not sure they're going to get it. As I mentioned, the Bills' pass rush is adequate but not fantastic. And there's some inexperienced guys up there too, let's not forget. They've only got two veterans on the edge position. Uh, having star back should help, we hope. And that Oliver is having a pretty great game himself. A great season, I should say. But the edge play is certainly lacking. And I'm not sure <laughs> how much help that the secondary is going to get. I know people are hoping on that and, and counting on that. And I just don't see it. So this may be a game where you know the Bills and their offense have to outscore the Patriots and I'm not exactly sure how that's going to go because <laughs> the Patriots defense is pretty good one of the best ones the Bills are going to see the Bills offensive line is obviously better with Spencer Brown in there but they still struggle a little bit even even still, and I'm not sure if the return of Feliciano is really going to do anything. So this could be a long day for the Bills. I know that people don't want to hear that, obviously. I think the Bills have enough talent to beat the Patriots, but they're missing key components and key spots that could trip them up and uh, you know make this a Patriots win. And if they win this, I, I think that... You know, I think the Patriots won the division at that point because you play them again, but yes, you play them in Foxborough. So this is this might be the biggest game um, of the season in that sense because after this, obviously, you have Tampa, which is less than idea, especially if you're on. Uh, you know, I won't, I don't want to say a losing streak, but if you lose to the Patriots and then have to go to Tampa, that is certainly less than ideal. You know, playing the defending champs while you're you have obvious weaknesses is not the 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 best thing. And then they got a couple easy games, but then they got the Patriots again. So it's tough because I think that the things that the Bills struggle with, as I mentioned, you know, will not be solved until the off season. The last thing that I wanted to talk about before I get out of here was a tweet from the Built in Buffalo Twitter account. And I really appreciate this tweet because it allows me to once again remind people 
of uh, my opinions about a certain Buffalo Bills player, and this is obviously why I was mentioned in the tweet. Uh, I'll read it for you here. Don't tell Charlie Gross we tweeted this, but did you know wide receiver Gabe Davis, who has 50 less receptions, 535 less yards, and five less touchdowns this season, not sure why five was in parentheses right there, has 5.8 more average yards than wide receiver Stephon Diggs. We know nothing too big. We just like having some good old fun. Me too. So I went and I looked up Gabe Davis's receiving stats from 2020. In 2020, Gabe Davis was targeted 61 times. He had 35 receptions, which is receiving percentage or catch percentage of 57.4. He had 599 yards, and he averaged 17.1 yards a reception, and he had seven touchdowns. This makes it clear to me, the stat from the tweet, along with these stats here, that the Buffalo Bills know how to use Gabe Davis. They know what his strengths are. They know what his weaknesses are. And they know what his limitations are. They know that Gabe Davis will never, ever, ever be a top two wide receiver in the NFL. What he is, is he's a good fourth option. He's a good down the field, along the sideline, complimentary player. And it's fantastic that Gabe Davis has, let's check again, 5.8 more average yards than Stephon Diggs. Last year, he had exactly five more yards per reception than Stephon Diggs. So, he is the the deep guy. You know, he's he's great at running along the sideline, the post routes, stuff like that. Because he's a limited route runner, so they're using that to their advantage. They're scheming him open. They're allowing better players to take the coverage away from him. It allows him to run his routes. And this is illustrated even more when you get to the average depth of target or A dot statistics. So last year, Stephon Diggs had a yard per reception of 12.1. His average depth of target was 10.5 yards. Now, let's go to Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis had a yards per reception of 17.1, which is five yards more than Stephon Diggs. His average depth of target was 
17.1. So basically, they threw him the ball, and then he just, like, fell down or did whatever, basically. Uh, you know, more or less. So let's check out 2021. Let's see how things are going there for, for Stefan and Gabriel. So Stefan Diggs has been targeted 99 times. 67 receptions, 67.7 reception percentage, 847 yards, 12.6 yards per reception. Gabe Davis has 18.4 yards per reception. Let's go to the average depth of target. It's longer for Stefan Diggs this year. 11.9 this year for Stefan Diggs, and it's shorter this year for Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis, this year his average depth of target was 14.8 yards. Gabe Davis is not getting the same amount of targets that he did last year because last year he was the beneficiary of the John Brown injury and of Dawson Knox still not yet emerging at tight end. John Brown is gone. Emmanuel Sanders is here. He's healthy. And Dawson Knox has emerged at tight end. And so that is why Gabe Davis is if you take the wide receivers, the tight ends, and the running backs, and you look at targets, Gabe Davis is sixth on the list. So Gabe Davis is the Bills' sixth receiving option. Now, is that a little too low, a little too high, just right? Well, let's look at the names in front of Gabe Davis. Diggs, Beasley, Sanders. Those are your top three guys. And then you got Dawson Knox. Of course you want Dawson Knox in your top four. You want to get him more targets. And then there's Devin Singletary. That could be argued that, you know, maybe you don't want him in your top five, but that's a sign to me that Josh Allen is trying to check the ball down a little bit more. And then you got Gabe Davis as a complimentary player in the number six spot in teams of tar- in terms of targets on the team. My prediction for the Bills-Patriots game, I'm going to predict a Bills win. I'm going to say 17-13 Buffalo Bills. Thank you for listening. Please check out the Facebook group, the Twitter account, the Instagram account. Check out the podcasting network and the YouTube channel. If you're on Apple Music, please leave us a rating and a five-star review. That's always appreciated. And as always, Bills Mafia, find a way to embrace your growth mindset and trust the process.